Everyone, climb aboard. Here we go. Sometimes it just needs a bit of a... Nobody touches my engine but me. And let's roll out. I'm driving. I can't drive sick. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch this weekend, Friday, July 30th through Sunday, August 1st. Somehow it's already August. We're counting down the weekend's top five must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. World, get ready to meet Kate Bishop. In the wake of Loki, the next live-action Marvel Cinematic Universe show due on Disney Plus is Hawkeye, which will debut November 24th on Disney Plus. And the title doesn't just refer to founding Avenger Clint Barton, played by Jeremy Renner, as seen in EW's exclusive first-look photo of the series, which you can check out on EW.com. Hawkeye will bring Clint face-to-face with a younger female archer, played by Haley Steinfeld. It's hard to imagine a league of their own without Rosie O'Donnell, and thankfully, the upcoming Amazon series has us covered. Appearing on Wednesday's episode of Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, O'Donnell confirmed that she would be involved in the show. A representative for the series did not immediately respond to EW's request for confirmation. The actress noted that she hadn't actually shot her scene yet, but she was planning to in the coming months. According to O'Donnell, she'll be playing a bartender at a local gay bar. That casting choice feels especially poignant given that O'Donnell confirmed she always interpreted her character of Doris Murphy as a lesbian, despite the fact she was never officially identified as one. For more on those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. Now, hear this. It's time to get into this weekend's picks. Number five is a new docuseries from Apple TV+, Watch the Sound with Mark Ronson, which examines the revolutionary technology that has shaped music as we know it. In each episode, Oscar and Grammy-winning producer Mark Ronson will explore the untold stories behind music creation and the links producers and creators are willing to go to to find the perfect sound. The show covers such topics as synthesizers and drum machines and even devotes a whole episode to the art of reverb. But these stories should interest even the most casual music fan. Here's Ronson to explain. I think of the great documentaries I've seen, like maybe I don't, I'm not extremely passionate about like high school basketball, but Hoop Dreams is one of the greatest docs ever. And actually that's like the barometer of a, you know, great 30 for 30. Like I don't really know anything about long distance ultra marathons, but I'm just like glued to this thing. You know, the research team on this show found so many great stories that I didn't know. I didn't know why auto-tune was invented. I didn't know that Wendy Carlos, essentially a trans woman, was one of the main reasons that that the Moog synthesizer became so amazing and popular was because Wendy Carlos helped Bob Moog make it more artist friendly. There are amazing stories that, that even I didn't know, you know, before we started making this show. Well, if that's not enough to intrigue you, Watch the Sound also features interviews with music icons, including Paul McCartney, the Beastie Boys, as well as Charlie XCX and more. And you can stream all six episodes on Apple TV Plus right now. We are still a week away from the release of The Suicide Squad, but this weekend's number four pick should help tide you over a bit. The cast of the DC super anti-hero movie are taking over Wipeout on Sunday with cameos from Nathan Fillion, Joel Kinnaman, David Mastalchian, and Daniela Melchior, though sadly none of them take on the big balls. 
The Suicide Squad writer-director James Gunn will also stop by, much to the chagrin of Wipeout host and Suicide Squad star John Cena, but much to the delight of his co-host, Nicole Byer. Here's a clip. James, uh, what are you doing here? Well, John, you know, we need that uniform back before you get slime on it or whatever it is that you guys do here. <sighs> Mr. Gunn, hi. If you're not busy later, hi. I'd love to, like, audition for the Suicide Squad. Or, and like, action! What? Now? Seriously? Now? Yeah, come on. You're surrounded by aliens. <laughs> some are cute. Some are mean. You have so many different emotions. Now you need ouch, to rescue ouch. Bloodsport. Who's Bloodsport? He's your teammate. He's played by Idris Elba. Ooh, hey, Idris Elba. Oh, I got something for you. Oh, come here, baby. Oh, oh. I don't know. We've already got one Pete Davidson in the group. That's exactly what he did. Uh, did you forget Pete Davidson was also in the Suicide Squad? Because I sure did. That cast is... Packed. Again, that movie arrives next week. In the meantime, catch Wipeout, the Suicide Squad special, Sunday at 9 p.m. on TBS. Trivia. It's trivia time. Before James Gunn signed on to the Suicide Squad, Warner Brothers asked him to direct a new movie centered on what DC superhero? Superman, Green Lantern, or Aquaman? Stick around for the answer. Now it's curtains for our number three pick, High School Musical, the musical of the series, as the show's second season takes its final bow today. It's finally time for the all-important Minkies. That's the Alan Menken High School Musical Theater Awards, of course. But how will East High's Beauty and the Beast measure up to North High's ridiculously professional performance? And more importantly, how will this season's romantic intrigue resolve? Will Ricky and Nini get back together? Or is there something there with Lily, despite her sabotaging the show? Whatever goes down in the finale, though, it's clear that HSMTMTS has really leveled up this season. Here's showrunner Tim Fetterly, who recently spoke to EW to reflect on season two. You know, my ultimate goal for season two originally was like bigger, better, louder, funnier, more music. And going back to work mid-COVID, it was let's all like walk off the set on two feet. Every crew member, every cast member, let's all be alive. And let's be proud of this season of TV we made against like crazy obstacles. And so that was like thing number one, just getting to the finish line and kind of collapsing, trying to keep everybody safe. I think from like a content standpoint, I really felt like led by Miss Jen, everyone gets caught up in this competition this season. And like Julia as Belle, she, you know, is comparing herself to Lily all season. And they're all really in their heads trying to be the best. And ultimately, I think the story I wanted to tell was like, they're the best because they found each other and not because the world discovered them. Sounds like the Wildcats will be breaking free of others' expectations. You know, no matter who bops to the top, because after all, they're all in this together. All right, I'm done. You can stream the High School Musical, the musical, the series finale on Disney Plus now. 
I know you can't see me right now, but I'm striking a pose for this next segment, our weekly look at the 2021 Emmy race. On this week's episode of The Awardist Podcast, EW critic Kristen Baldwin and I break down the best drama series and lead actress in a drama categories. Will it be a sweep for the crown? We shall see. Elsewhere, Kristen chats with two of those nominees from Pose, lead actress contender MJ Rodriguez and series creator, writer, and director Stephen Canals. Here's a clip where Kristen brings up Pose's nod to another NYC set show. Also, I should warn, this clip includes a spoiler about the series finale. I want to talk about uh, in the series finale, there's a bit of a Sex in the City homage. You have that amazing shot of Blanca and Electra and Angel and Lulu strutting down the cobblestone street in the meatpacking district. But then there's, mm-hmm. you know, the episode also throws a little shade at Sex in the City when Blanca says they need to call it being white in the city because ain't none of them's got a black or Latina friend, which, you know, she's not wrong. Uh, Stephen, can you give us a little background on how that element of the series finale came about? Sure. I mean, I think that part of it is we wanted a moment of celebration for the women. Um, And so we had talked about that in the room. I know when we discussed that the finale wasn't going to end, you know, on the heels of Praytel's death, but that we were going to time jump within the episode to 1998, Ryan Murphy was like, I think we need a moment where we get to see the women all together, um, you know, communing with one another and we get to see how they've grown, how they've changed, where they are now. Um, and so Our Lady J, um, writer, producer, she's the person who scripted the moments where we get to see them together. And initially on the page, it was, I think the very first thing she wrote, if you read the script, is like they're walking down the street together and it feels like a sex in the city moment. And so I think it was out of that that we started having conversations about the ways that um, these particular girlfriends are distinctly different Mm -hmm. from what we typically have seen on television. And so, you know, I know a lot of people have made a meal out of it feels like we're throwing shade at sex in the city when the reality is actually really love sex in the city. Um, I think it's a great show. I thought Sarah Jessica Parker and the other actresses on that show were fantastic. Um, but I think that we we wanted to highlight in our show, it seems maybe a little, um, it's a little knowing and a little bit wink, wink. But for us, we just wanted the audience to know that we're in on it. Like we're hyper aware <laughs> that like, sure, there mm-hmm. may be some overlap, but this is very different. You've never yes. seen four black women, four Latin women, four trans women. Yes talking the way that they're talking and having, you know, friendships and relationships in this way. Yeah, snaps all around for that. You can hear that full conversation on The Awardist wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow and subscribe as we continue to talk to your favorite stars leading up to this year's Emmys on September 19th. Stay tuned. Our top two picks and soundbite of the week are coming up next. What to Watch will be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam.
Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. Many of us have had to become Zoom meeting experts over the last year, so we cringed with familiarity at HBO's The White Lotus this week when Connie Britton's character had to set up for a virtual meeting from her Hawaii hotel room. That moment is our soundbite of the week. Okay, stay out of the frame. Mom, you look deranged. It's all right, I have a filter for that. You know what? Zoom always has you covered. You can catch up with The White Lotus on HBO Max and catch new episodes Sunday at 9 p.m. on HBO. Number two. All right, let's roll on down the river to our number two pick, Disney's Jungle Cruise. Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt star as wisecracking skipper Frank Wolf and intrepid researcher Dr. Lily Houghton, who embark on a journey down the Amazon River in search of a very special tree. They'll face dangerous animals, dastardly villains, and even supernatural forces lurking in the lush rainforest. As the secrets of the lost tree unfold, and Lily and Frank's fate, and mankind's, hangs in the balance. I'm not sure they had that part on the Disneyland ride. Anyway, Jungle Cruise is a very fun throwback to the adventure movies of yore. Here's EW staff writer Devin Kogan from our What to Watch video series to tell us more. I am a sucker for like an old school throwback, uh, sort of like romantic adventure comedy. You know, it's very much in the veins of, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. It has a little bit of an Indiana Jones or the mummy vibe. I wouldn't call it like a serious action film. It's definitely very playful. You know, if you've been on the, the Disney ride, uh, you expect a lot of puns. There are a lot of puns yeah. in, in this movie, but it's really fun. And it, it has sort of that, it's very, it's definitely very kid friendly and it has that sort of rollicking adventure uh, vibe to it which um, I loved growing up, and I think, uh, I think people will be into it. Well, you don't even need a fast pass to go on this journey, though you will need $30 to purchase the movie through Disney Plus Premier Access. You can also board Jungle Cruise in movie theaters nationwide. And now time for some fun in the sun on the run with our number one pick, Outer Banks, back for season two on Netflix today. After their near-death escape, the new season finds John B. and Sarah in over their heads in the Bahamas, with new friends and new foes as they hunt for the royal merchant gold. Meanwhile, the stakes for Kiara, Pope, and JJ rapidly escalate at home with the uncovering of a secret that could reunite the group for a fresh mission. And if you thought season one was wild, well, you haven't seen anything yet. From high-speed chases to alligator attacks to massive explosions and even gulp, dead bodies, Outer Banks has really cranked up the intensity this season. Here's a preview. The gold from the royal merchant is here. Half a billion. John B., we are fugitives in a foreign country. Promise me you won't do anything stupid. Oh, sorry, Cameron. I do stupid things all the time without realizing it. Ward's still out there. I can clear my name, and this can all be over in one shot. If you think there is anything, I wouldn't do it. You haven't been paying attention. I'm calling the shots now. I'm driving. I can't drive sick. Well, at least some things haven't changed this season. But with Sarah's dad Ward on his trail, John B. is headed for an ultimate showdown. Here's Chase Stokes, who plays John B., to tease how things will play out. You're looking at a situation to where Ward knows that John B. knows everything. 
and Ward is dealing with the reality that John B. over, you know, the microphone to the entirety of the police force and now the FBI has come in to try to take John B. and have a, you know, a testimony that Ward is responsible for the murder of his father and that Rafe killed, you know, the sheriff. And so with that being said, you're sort of looking at Ward in, in a completely different light and what is that do? And then John B., he sort of doesn't really know. You know, he's in the middle of the ocean on this boat with his captain and the love of his life. And he's trying to figure out what his message is going to be. But nonetheless, you know, he still has this looming sort of vengeance for justice for his father's death. And I think that that's inevitably something that is going to move any human being to try to find a, a resolution to um, the reality of what he's been going through and all of the, the crazy circumstances that he's faced in season one. Well, we are ready to dive into this season, and you can do that on Netflix right now. Trivia. And finally this weekend, the answer to our trivia question. Before James Gunn signed on to the Suicide Squad, Warner Brothers asked him to direct a new movie centered on what DC superhero? Superman, Green Lantern, or Aquaman? Hopefully this question wasn't your kryptonite. The answer is Superman. Gunn wasn't sure he wanted to do a movie about the Man of Steel and instead was offered the chance to tackle anything from the DC catalog. And thus, the Suicide Squad was born. That's our show for this weekend. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you on Monday, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm Senior TV Editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. What to Watch. What to Watch is written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, produced and hosted by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal and Carly Usden.